Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode. We are so excited to be here today. I'm with Bradshaw, of course. Hello everyone. And today we're going to bring on our very first guest. In a moment, we'll have Jack Workman join us. And Jack is someone that both Bradshaw and I met in San Francisco as part of Jason Crandall's teacher training. Jack was actually an assistant and we both loved getting to know him then. So this will be exciting. Yeah, Jack is going to provide us with a lot of insight in terms of teaching full-time, but also using your social media presence to connect with your students, connect with your audience, and the pros and cons of all that. So I think he'll be a wealth of insight and knowledge. He's hysterical, and you're all going to enjoy listening to him. So enjoy the episode. Jack. (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Jack, we're so excited to have you here. We wanted to start with you just introducing yourself. You can let us know how you came to the yoga practice, what made you stay with it and how you began teaching and anything else that you want to share. Yeah. So hi, I'm Jack. I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you, I told you he was I'm gay. Like, okay. I, in the, that's Jack. the end. No more. <laughs> that's all. I teach yoga as, as a side effect of me being gay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I just fill Jack in on this? Because At the end of our last episode that's coming out this week, <laughs> Bradshaw says, next week we're having on Jack and he's also gay. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. That's actually what happens is you turn gay and you teach vinyasa and then you're yeah. going to die. And then you die. Vinyasa. You're gay. You teach vinyasa. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you die. You die. Uh, no, but I'm Jack. I, uh, I teach yoga. I've been teaching yoga for, I don't know, about... 13 years now. Um, I'm a teacher in San Francisco. I teach all over the city. We all share the same teacher, Jason Crandall. And um, what else should I say? I teach vinyasa with an alignment focus. And I started practicing when I was 13 years old and just was kind of obsessed with yoga ever since then. And when I was 15, I um, got my first training with Jason and pretty much have been teaching ever since anyone else so you were really really young I feel like you might have been one of the youngest people I know that's you know to start teaching yoga there's a picture of Jack when he's literally like 13 I don't know what pose he's in but he's got a little fro and it's so (laughs) cute and like we literally need to post that picture and be like like, (laughs) he looks exactly the same now that was my first yoga photo shoot how like were you you were like I just like think of you like 14, like, hey, mom and dad, I need a yoga photo shoot. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went. Yeah. I was like, it was right before I was about to go to um, teacher training in San Francisco with Jason. And actually somebody offered to do the photo shoot to me at like a yoga journal conference. And I was like, 
yes i'll be a star <laughs> i would love it if you just never ever updated those photos in every picture like you on the schedule is you 13 doing yoga and like every schedule and every i'm, I'm still riding off of the you know yoga prodigy but like you know 13 years later, <laughs> just a little bit more tired, less flexible. <laughs> Almost 30. And you're like, I'm the youngest teacher yeah. ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, well, that is a really nice starting point to talk about what we want to talk about. So great. And Bradshaw. something else too. Um, well, I just want to think that like, you know, jo uh, you're up, Jack, you're obviously a very um, well-known, skillful teacher. But I also think that in the past couple of years, what Gianna and I wanted to get into is kind of how you have incorporated a sense of humor and social media into your teaching. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that started to kind of take off during COVID and like yeah. with like the creation of reels. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Totally. Yeah. You know, just when the pandemic started, we all had a little bit more time on our hands. And as yoga teachers, we were, you know, working more through the online medium. So, you know, I'd always been silly on Instagram, but I uh, kind of decided to take it to the next level. And I made a few different reels, um, like yoga, yoga comedy reels. And they just seemed to really take off from there. So just been doing that ever since. And it's really, it's grown my Instagram following. And, you know, it's, it's funny because my yoga class has always been, you know, serious, but also at moments silly. So it really hasn't changed my yoga class, but it has um, changed my online presence. So. Has it? I was just, you can go, you can go, you can go. <laughs> I was going to ask, has it changed the attendance of your yoga classes? Not really. No, no. I mean, in some ways, like people will come to my class who, who check out my Instagram first and they'll think that I'm going to be just like a stand-up comedian the whole time. So they'll be like, perhaps a little disappointed, um, you know, that I'm not always like silly, but then they get, you know, the value of uh, the seriousness of, of yoga classes. Um, so, I mean, it hasn't really changed the attendance, but it has uh, sparked a conversation with my students on, um, you know, the difference between my Instagram and my classes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think Bradshaw can relate to, not in the social media way, because um, you're just like, you don't do the same thing, but I think people will come to your classes expecting you to always be funny and like the pressure to like, yeah, I, I would humor. Yeah. I, for me, it's like always be on, like they're expecting some kind of like comedic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've struggled with that, uh, teaching and not teaching my entire life where I really do have a flamboyant, uh, energetic, outview on life and personality yet. Like I'm not like that all of the time. And so, especially I feel like if I'm going in really prepared to teach something, let's say really alignment based or like a postural focus, I'm really focused on teaching that thing. So sometimes I, I'm not as what people may perceive as humorous in that experience. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you're not as funny or like, are you okay? And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm, a, I'm, uh, I'm not just funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, like, it's like, I, that's one part of my personality. Um, but there's another part of my personality that is very serious. And then I take my job very seriously. And then I want to teach people something. And uh, I think I, I taught from a personality lens for a long time. Uh, the first five years of teaching, which led me to burnout. I was just exhausted because I felt like I always had it to be funny or flamboyant or like put on a show. Uh, and that was really kind of a struggle for me to find the balance of both of those things. So well, I yeah. think especially because it made you really popular. I mean, you might not say this, but I'll, I'll put it out there. Like your in-person following was like had grown significantly because of that component, which kind of leads me to want to talk about humor and whether or not it has a place in the yoga practice. So Jack, I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, well, just another thought came up actually. Um, you know, <clears throat> I also think that having like a funny Instagram uh, presence uh, can inhibit people's expectations of your class in like that they want to go to a serious class and have um, mm. space be held for them but they see you on Instagram and think oh like this is <clears throat> this guy is is not capable of doing that so I think I've met those expectations too that people come to my class and are also pretty surprised that my my class is you know alignment based you can you learn a lot um, so that was just a side thought but I do think humor um, has a place in, in the yoga class. I think it has to be strategic. Mm -hmm. I think that humor can be a great teaching tool. Um, you know, it's a good way for people to remember things. And I think a great example of a teacher that uses humor in a really skillful way is Jason. I uh, think we all agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the reality is Jason is a really funny guy, you know, and he has, he has, a, a big part of his class is his personality, whether he would admit that or not, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, and he makes things approachable and fun and he has a sense of sarcasm. Mm -hmm. um, I try I to integrate that as well into my classes. Um, but I agree with you, Bradshaw, that it's, you know, it also, there are some times where you, you know, you just feel like showing up and teaching your yoga class and you don't always have the energy or the, the charisma that day to, to be funny. Mm -hmm. um, and also it, for me, sometimes it depends on the time of the day or how much I've taught that day, mm -hmm. you know? So like on Fridays, for example, I teach four classes in a row, pretty much back to back. So by that 12 o'clock class, I'm pretty drained. It's not that I'm not putting in good quality into what I'm doing. The class is still very good. It's just that I may, may not have the, the energy or the bubbliness that I had teaching the nine o'clock that I do at the 12 totally. o'clock, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And also, you know, depending on what class you're teaching or who's in the class can affect mm, you more as well. Huge. It, huge. You know, if I have a re my regular classes that I'm really comfortable with all the students, they show up every week, you know, I, I tend to be naturally just a little bit more relaxed and funny. Mm -hmm. But if I'm teaching in a new space or if I have, you know, a, a lot of students that I don't know in class, sometimes I can be a little bit uh, more withdrawn in some ways, because, you know, believe it or not, I am more of an introvert. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of yoga teachers are this way that we, you know, are introverts, but, you know, doing yoga and teaching yoga brings you out of your shell or, you know, requires you to stand up in front of a group of people and talk and lead. Mm -hmm. 
I can relate to that. I mean, I'm also an introvert and I'm definitely not known for my humor in my yoga classes. Um, but I was teaching at a studio for a really long time, like three or four years. And my Monday nights just became like a bunch of regulars that I knew really well. And so I was able to like, let my guard down a little bit and like show more of my personality and have that humor for like the first time. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny when I say like, I wouldn't consider that part of my personality and teaching, but all of those regulars who at that studio, little shout out to Tula, if they're listening to this, they're going to be like, oh no, you're like hilarious. Like we came to your class for that. I'm like, well, no one else Mm -hmm. I think thinks that. So it really depends on the environment, depends on the time of the day. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> humor, I, I want to go back to what I was saying about using humor in a strategic way. Okay. You know, humor isn't just a way to make things approachable and lighthearted in general as in the environment of the class, but humor is a teaching tool. I also think that humor can be overused or not used in in positive ways as well, you know, like you have to be mindful that your humor isn't offensive or exclusionary, um, you know, or hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think I can be just like, I have a very, very dark sense of humor naturally. And so something, and I've learned this and it's been a challenge. It's been a lesson along the way of things that I may say in classes, like I perceive as like very lighthearted and funny. Other people don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I've had people say to me like, oh, I found that off- not uh, that offensive or that hurts my feelings or I feel like I, you know, I was, I, you taught that and I wasn't able to do it and I feel bad. And that's like, that's the complete opposite of what I want to bring out. So being strategic is, it's such a good point, Jack. It's like, and sometimes like in any job, like in any career, like in just life in general, sometimes you have to walk over that line to be like, mm. Exactly. Too much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was crossed, you know, like, and then, then kind of recalibrate and uh, rediscover, like you're saying, how you want to bring this sense of humor into class that is funny, sometimes self-deprecating, but hopefully uplifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think if you're a teacher that wants to explore uh, humor in your classes, but you're just kind of getting to know that, that side of your teaching, that a good way to go about it is just know if, knowing other teachers that you think are funny and being willing to kind of use the tools that y- they use or even sometimes even copying their humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think, I think you know, we all learn from, from copying other teachers um, and, you know, and repeating jokes over and mm-hmm. over. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of lame, but not all humor has to be totally spontaneous. You know, Mm -hmm. you can have some planned humor in your classes, you know, the typical yoga teacher jokes, or if you have metaphors, like, for example, in Navasana boat pose, I'll, uh, when people are reaching their arms out in front of them, I'll I'll say, imagine that you're holding a giant pizza in your hands, and you have no elbows, and you really want to eat this pizza, so you have to squeeze your shoulder blades together on your back, 
That's called. Now you're both not laughing right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was but, in my head, like trying to. I know. I'm like. I'm like. Okay. I'm like. Okay. So he's doing protraction. With the so I'm, ta- I'm talking about retraction. Retraction. Oh, retraction. I'm sorry. Yeah, protraction is the please. opposite of this one you brought in your back. Sorry. Please, Don't do. Delete. 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 <laughs> you, Jason, take back his certificate. Yeah, so that's an no example idea. of like how uh, how you can use humor as a teaching tool with metaphors. Or mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of of other ones they're not coming to my to my mind right now but um, I feel like there's like certain dad jokes like mm-hmm. uh, like dad joke humor that I've heard over and over like I used to go to this studio that kind of broke the traditional yoga mold where they would do a little bit of core in like Navasana so you made me just think of this where um, the teacher always used to say like without fail and I've been to the class enough to know this was a repeated joke but there were still laughs because there's still new people who may not have heard it before we'd be like and if you don't get a six pack by the end of this section just go to 7-eleven on your way home or something like that and it's like (laughs) cheesy but it got a couple chuckles i think that also when people are experiencing something that's very physically demanding and challenging that's where humor can be really beneficial to take themselves out of the like this sucks mentality and just totally. be like, I know this is hard, but we're still having a good time. Like, I think that that's mm-hmm. like a really good way to challenge people in a safe way. And also like, be like, Hey, if you want to chill and take a rest, drink water, like it's all good. And kind mm-hmm. of providing that inclusivity for, for everyone. And also that sense of humor when things do get a little physically demanding or challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, one that, one that I've used for years and it never fails. Um, I've been taking, teaching a lot of Ashtavakrasa eight angle pose the past couple of weeks. And uh, it's for a lot of people, it's a very, it's a very challenging posture. And so there's two things that I say. One is like, you can do eight angle pose, handstand splits and still be an asshole. And I swear. And I say exactly that. And people love it. And it's very relatable. And people are like, oh, you're right. Because people can just focus so much on the physical. And then one that I stolen from Jason, which I love is uh, if you can't do this, it's just lack of spiritual depth. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I love, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's these like, you know, cause I just think that there's a fine line and this is where I think it, there's such a sweet spot for her humor and yoga classes. Like, and I, I question myself, I question while I'm teaching, like, okay, am I doing this well in terms of being, letting people know this is a very serious practice. I take it seriously. They should take it seriously, but also not too serious that it becomes heavy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like that becomes rigid. like another that becomes like another chore. Like I want it to be something where like this is serious, but it's serious about you moving and breathing and regulating your nervous system. And it's so great that you're here and that you've made it to class and those types of things. So I do think that it's really important. I think it's interesting because there's this perspective of yoga in the media or from people who aren't always practicing yoga that yoga is just this like thing only for super attractive skinny mm-hmm. flexible people who are also like super spiritually deep and you know when they come to a yoga teacher's class that is willing to kind of poke at that uh, image or make fun of it it's actually um, a way to make people feel comfortable and mm-hmm. welcomed um, you know it's my experience in some yoga classes when I go to teachers that are extremely serious or that don't you know take anything as a joke that I almost sometimes feel like a little bit of an outsider just because, Mm. you know, I live my life in a way that isn't, you know, I'm not, I don't wake up in the morning and drink like green juice and like, um, do my, my Malabid, um, meditation. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> we know um, what you mean. I would love to see it, you do like, your mala bead meditation. I'm a normal person, you yeah. know, and and I do yoga. Uh, probably not enough, but <laughs> I, I could do more yoga. But uh, I, I think it's an opportunity for people to to feel welcomed and normal. And I think I don't know about you, Bradshaw, if you find this in your classes, but I think a lot of people come to my class because they they feel welcomed you know and they feel like comfortable and I get a lot of uh, atypical yoga students in my classes as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. you're relatable I feel like that's like what you're both describing yeah. it's like you want to be accessible and relatable to mm-hmm. many different people for me too for me too I want people to know that my yoga practice as corny as it sound outs as corny as it sounds lives outside of just my teaching yoga where like for me, it's being kind to people. It's being compassionate. It is a sense of humor. It's a sense of laughter, of joy. Um, those are all things, in my opinion, that are part of my yoga practice, not just the physicality. So when people say, oh, well, you know, is it a bad thing that people come to my class or your class for, you know, a little laugh or a sense of uh, lightheartedness? I don't think so. I think that's something a lot of people need mm-hmm. outside totally. of their perfect warrior two or whatever it mm-hmm. may be. I think for me as a student, because I was trying to like get back in the mentality of when I was first really getting into yoga, I sought out teachers who, like you were saying, Jack, like brought that element, that relatable element that, that just help you feel like this isn't a challenging thing that we're doing. Cause whether it's physically challenging or just being still with your own thoughts, like the moment where you can kind of just laugh, kind of for me at least was breaking up all of that internal dialogue. Like I might Mm -hmm. be holding a warrior two for 10 breaths and having this dialogue in my head of like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. This is boring. I want to leave or whatever it is that cycles through. But then there's that like moment that kind of brings the joy, like you were saying. And part of my analysis of this is like, why did I like that moment so much? I think it helps us access a part of yoga that we might not have the tools at that beginning point of practice to access, which for me is like the Ananda or maybe the bliss or the Samadhi even. It's not going to be, I'm not levitating. I haven't mastered, you know, the eight limbs or anything, but I'm like, oh, I've actually feel like more present. Like I feel like, okay. Mm. Or I feel like I was able to access something that I didn't before when I was just spinning in the monkey mind. Totally. And I also think that, you know, people are drawn to teachers that are authentic, you know, and real. So maybe you're, you know, not always a funny person, but just being like true to who you are, Mm. it's probably your greatest power as a yoga teacher. And this is what will bring people to your classes and, you know, make you a popular teacher is not, you know, what makes you like other people, but how you can just kind of embrace your own way of doing things and, I think humor is a way of embracing that authenticity. Um, I agree. I think especially as a new teacher, it's really hard to just be yourself and like bring in humor or your personality or whatever else it is that you want to showcase. So maybe we do imitate or we get inspired by the things we were drawn to, but eventually whether it is humor or being like deep or genuine or telling your personal stories or whatever it is like there's a broad scope of different 
skills and elements and emotions even that people might mm-hmm. bring into their teaching, whether it's humor or something else that helps make that relatable access point. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, there are so many amazing teachers, you know, you can, if you really, if you live anywhere at this point, you, there's probably multiple skillful, amazing teachers in your town or city. And so what's going to, you know, attract people to your classes and make people enjoy your classes is just, um, you know, being, being authentic and being uh, welcoming and comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's not to uh, say that, you know, things aren't going to be educational and serious at some moments. Mm -hmm. I feel like it has to be like a really good balance. Like I can imagine that if you're like too much, too much humor, too much personality or whatever, and then not enough of like the educational stuff, like just that finding that balance, I could imagine being really tricky. Yeah, Gianna, I wanted to riff off of that and also say, I think that like, you know, some teachers will give Dharma talks or whatever it may be uh, in the class. And what I, what I do, and I'm not saying I'm giving a Dharma talk, but if I make a funny joke about, you know, you can do a handstand and still be an asshole or whatever it may be, you can't do this lack of spiritual depth is then I'll like be like, you know, we focus so much on the physical practice of yoga and there's so much more beyond that. It's amazing that you're here and that you're breathing um, and that this is a practice. And so like, there can be some kind of educational, like kindness, softness behind the humor to like make people laugh and then make people be like, oh, that actually I feel a little touched. You know, I feel like, oh, I've had like a connection with myself and I'm being kinder to myself and, you know, remembering getting out of my head that it's not just physical and all those things. I think that's a great way of like also making the humor about the uh, the student's experience and not about the teacher, you know. It's humor can be excessive when the teacher is just using it for their own sake. You know, um, you want to leave what are, you know, and however you're teaching, you want to leave enough room for the student to have their own experience, you know, because everybody's, everybody is going to have their own experience. And I think that, you know, you don't want to insert yourself so much as a teacher that, you know, people come to my yoga class because it's the Jack show. You know, that's not why I mm-hmm. want people to come to, to my yoga class. I want people to come to my yoga class because they learn something and they feel comfortable. You know, they enjoy me as a teacher, but they also get a lot out of their practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can give the listeners any tips on whether it's to bring humor to the to their teaching or to just showcase their personality in whatever regard it is like is there a way that you have have been able to like sh- you know showcase that side of yourself that's i don't know well i think you know, been, you know <laughs> i think we've been touching on on the fact that you know things shouldn't be forced so you need to practice getting comfortable as a teacher you know learning how to hold space and you know if you're just starting off teaching and you know if this just feels like another like burden that you have to worry about like oh my gosh now I have to like teach this sequence and this pose and stand up in front of a group of people and now I have to be funny too like that could seem Mm -hmm. overwhelming but that's I don't think that's the case I think you need the first step is to just like be comfortable as a teacher Mm -hmm. you know practice you know and you know the way to become a good teacher is to teach 
you have to yeah. show up a lot and then and then eventually you know as you become more, more comfortable your your personality will reveal itself and then you can begin to you know if if you if you like integrating humor it will come and you know if it if it doesn't come on a certain day or at all that's fine you know it's kind of like a dharma talk it's like I don't know if you've ever, ever been to a yoga teacher's class that kind of, it feels like they're forcing a Dharma talk where they're just mm -hmm. kind of saying like generic, like, you know, Dharma things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just feels like a little unnecessary, yeah. but it feels like they're saying that because they have to say that because they're, you know, they, but they don't really have to, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's better left unsaid. I think that can be like with humor as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jack, I, I have a question. Oh, sorry, G. No, no, you have no, another no, I, no, no. I want your question. <laughs> okay, you better. I want your question. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. I don't know if you you haven't spent a lot of time in Chicago, have you? Mm, I've never been to Chicago. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that there is just more of this like Midwestern, just like what's like, there's a kind of a, in some ways, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to say this, like a kind Thanks of straightforwardness to mm -hmm. yoga in in um in Chicago compared to San Francisco okay I, I'm just gonna get out San Francisco just seems a little bit more like spiritually focused mm -hmm. if that you know I'm not saying that Chicago is not spiritual in its yoga practice but there's a lot more chanting there's mm -hmm. a lot more dharma talks there's a lot more like I it's just a different it's a different vibe compared totally. to Chicago and I think that like in Chicago, since it's Midwestern, it may be a little easier to joke here because people just mm -hmm. seem a little less serious. <laughs> yeah. And again, totally. this is coming from someone who lives in Chicago. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. only has traveled. But like when I first came there, I was like, people are chanting here. And like there's just uh -huh. there is a lot of that in San Francisco. And like, is that um, Gianna, what are you making that face for? <laughs> I'm listening. I'm, okay. well, I, as you're listening, I'm also thinking about my experience because I started teaching in Florida first, then Chicago, then yeah. San Francisco. So I kind of have three different like relational points. To well, maybe saying. you'll, yeah. yeah. Can you, can you maybe, I'm, I don't think I'm verbalizing it really well. Okay. Do you think you could help me out? Sure. So I know, I know what you're saying. Cause I think that the studio culture in San Francisco does put a lot of emphasis on chanting bhakti and the dharma talks um but i also think that a lot of other places do but chicago has a unique vibe like florida mm -hmm. i feel like florida was like a middle ground for me and that was my first entry point where i i did that's where i learned about you know the harmonium and chanting and i learned most of my sanskrit and that's where i began teaching and my i might have said a lot more sans Sanskrit in classes when I was teaching there than I do in Chicago. And maybe this is my personal interpretation, but I felt like when I taught in Chicago that I just wanted to meet people where they were at and just kind of keep it real. Um, like not like basic in a way where like I would do a lot more descriptive cueing, <clears throat> a lot more anatomy cueing. And this could just be, again, like the vibes I were, I was getting from the studio compared to the vibes that I was getting in South Florida and then leaving Chicago and teaching in San Francisco. I feel like I had to like change a little bit in terms of like, I could still, you were also given that feedback that you were too yeah, East yeah. coast. Yeah, I was told I was too East coast oh. and then I was, and then I was asked to chant more and I was like, well, you know, Personally, we can 
have a whole other episode about appropriation, but I was like, personally, mm. like this doesn't feel authentic to me. And then I was asked if I could at least own. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be hired, I will definitely own. <laughs> like, yeah. But I did have to start learning to begin my classes with a Dharma talk in San Francisco. Whereas in Chicago, I would just give a, a more brief introduction to my classes or be like, Hey, if you haven't met me, this is, you know, this is who I am. This is what we're going to be working on today. And maybe along the way, you know, we'll do this, this, and this, you know, like kind of yeah, simple. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Jack, like if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Like I never want to come off as inauthentic. So like if I'm mm. just not in the mood or I'm not feeling spiritually inspired or like, I'm not feeling so deep today, like I don't want to force it. And then on days when I do, I feel like it just is received so much better. And I'll get like Instagram messages mm. after class. Like, Oh my God, what you said just really resonated with me. Yeah. And that's, well, I have a question about Chicago. Okay. I have a question about Chicago, like Chicago yoga scene, because in San Francisco, there's always been this, like, you know, there's always been like a few really big teachers, which aren't just big teachers in San Francisco, but they also are yeah. big teachers like all around the Nationally and internationally, yeah. International yoga teachers. So here in, in this scene, a lot of the, the teachers are learning from those teachers and kind of emulating those teachers. The yoga scene is really affected by them, like Jason and Stephanie and Janet. And, um, you know, there's a few others, but I don't know, is Chicago, does Chicago have those big international teachers? Not in the same way at all. I think like the biggest international or just like most nationally recognized teacher would be Gabriel Halpern, which, um, Gabriel, who, oh, the Iyengar teacher, but yeah, he doesn't teach an, anymore, does he? I don't know if he's still teaching and I don't want to put anything on the record. That's not true, but his studio that he owned closed down. So I do know that that studio closed down and he was an, he was a student of Iyengar and he had started a studio in Chicago and he had a lot of local recognition. And I think he was very well respected for being a student of Iyengar and carrying on the lineage and sharing that practice, yeah. but it's not, I wouldn't regard it the same as, you know, Jason, who is on Glow and teaches and travels internationally, and Steph and um, Janet Stone has been leading a lot of trainings and Bhakti uh -huh. style classes in San Francisco, and Judith, Judith Hanson Lasseter, yeah. people travel for. So there's a ton mm -hmm. of big. And big... Bhakti is a huge presence here in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, there's Bhakti here, but not like San Francisco. You can't yeah. even compare. And even with um, Rusty Wells, who um, was a teacher in San Francisco who no longer lives here, he had a studio called Urban Flow, mm -hmm. which was kind of, you know, it was the, it was the place to do bhakti yoga back in the day, and it would you know huge classes like hundreds and hundred and twenty people mm -hmm. uh, for your your normal like primetime class, which is you know a huge yoga class. Mm -hmm. um, and that that kind of scene and vibe has always been a thing in San Francisco. Um, although I think it's changed a little bit um, since COVID. You know, this yeah. it's kind of broken up a little bit. A lot of people left. I feel like the scene in San Francisco is a lot different. Um, I haven't been traveling to San Francisco that like my history traveling there is not like long dated, but I started going frequently around 2016 or 17 to train with Janet Stone. And so 
for me, like I wanted to immerse myself in the bhakti because I felt like it offered something different or like it offered me an education on something different that I wanted to connect to that I didn't find. I, I didn't find so much, like I had access to it in Florida, but there wasn't like trainings in it. There wasn't more information. And so I think, um, yeah, I, I learned so much, I have to say, but then I also, all, I also got introduced to Jason during that time. Cause I'd be in San Francisco for these long periods. And I was like, oh, I actually resonate more with this style. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't feel super authentic carrying on the teachings mm-hmm. of Bhakti, Bhakti myself. Um, and again, and the this great could be thing a- about San Francisco in, in some ways is that a lot of people are influenced both by Jason and by Bhakti. So you get a lot of these like hybrid Bhakti Jason teachers. <laughs> because if you know Jason, if you've taken his class, like he's not an omer, he's not a chanter. He'll bring in Dharma to his class, but it's very like, you know, approachable, straightforward, non-denominational, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. but so it's kind of interesting to see these like super skillful sequencing. Uh, teachers who also know their alignment who also like start the class off with with chanting and mm-hmm. also weave dharma in um yeah yeah I mean I personally think it's like impressive I'm like I don't know how you can like think of that much yeah I get it all in one <laughs> shot yeah I, I wanted to like bring up two things based on like what we we're just talking about in terms of location and classes which is like I guess we're you know we're talking about humor so I was thinking my humor jokes or you know personality may land here in Chicago and I'm like would it land in San Francisco would it Mm -hmm. land in Florida is Mm -hmm. it uh, is it internationally humorous I think it would Bradshaw because I think you know you just like attract you're just like a a beam of light and energy and I think that your authenticity would would pull people in where my, well, so my but but my goal was to move to San Francisco get rid of Jack get rid of Jason <laughs> get rid of Gianna and then I'll just take over it all and just tell people <laughs> I'm just lied to people tell me to teach bhakti too <laughs> well since Jason's left um oh San yes Francisco, Jason's already out I'm trying to take over the the scene here yeah right <laughs> oh my goodness I actually this is a good segue because we've been talking about basically bigger name yoga teachers. And we've trained with some of those bigger name yoga teachers. And we talked about being inspired by or imitating, like, is there a, like a pressure to, to carry on your personal lineage? Or do you feel more pressure to like make your own voice? Do you know what I do you know what like I mean? my personal lineage in the way of like, 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 for instance, we're talking about like, oh, Jason left yeah, like, <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah, like, like, are do you try to, is it beneficial to like carry on the fact that like you are a student of Jason or are you like, how do I get my independence? I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's been a, that's been a big story in my yoga teaching journey, you know, because when I first started teaching, like you, I could listen to myself teach and hear the like Jason tone and that still exists in my teaching today. But, you know, I think that Although people really, you know, like my class and sometimes they don't even know it because of the sequence and because of the way that I format things, which I learned from Jason. Um, I also think a lot of people are drawn to my class because of, you know, things that are totally unrelated to Jason. Mm -hmm. So I think I have to 
I've had to learn to embrace more of myself over time. And that's why I think this is just like a plug for Jason's training. He's yeah, not sure. paying me to say this. But like, I, yeah, let, let's stop talking about Jason. Okay, yeah, I know we're talking a lot about Jason. But, but you know, he, he's a great example. Uh, he, he, his format is so applicable to like- To everyone, to all different types of teachers. For mm-hmm. someone's personality, you know? So- you know, you can cut this out if you want. <laughs> no, but, I'm just, I'm just but um, you know, it's it's like I f- I feel really confident in how I sequence classes, you know, and how I mm-hmm. teach a pose. And that's not just because of Jason. I've done other trainings too with other teachers, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is because of him. And but I also feel that I've learned over time on my own to integrate my own approach and personality mm-hmm. uh, because there was room for it, which, you know, this is not to say that bhakti isn't that way, because I think bhakti is a great way of teaching yoga. Um but sometimes you might feel a little bit more pressure to, you know, if you, to chant or to show up with a really specific Dharma talk, even if that's not your specific personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I just, I, to me, I, I, you know, I do feel as we're talking about this and I'm thinking about it more, I feel really strongly that trying, like, being inspired by someone is very different than trying to be the, like, mm-hmm. you know, that person. Mm-hmm. And I think that if to be successful as your own yoga teacher, you have to be your own person mm-hmm. and be inspired by what the teacher taught you and then kind of take your own spin on it. Because mm-hmm. I think if not, it's just, it's not going to pan out well. It's not going to be received well. Because mm-hmm. um, totally. I think people can read through that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, um, I sometimes I think to my, this is what's coming up in my mind right now. Sometimes I think to myself, like, why am I not posting like, how-to tutorials on Instagram all the time about yoga poses or like sequencing tips. And sometimes I think just because it's like, you know, that stuff is so accessible and, Mm. and it's so there, you know, and if you go to a training, you can learn that. Or, you know, even if you, even if you don't go to a training, but, you know, I offer humor on Instagram because it just, that's where it feels natural for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's that's really at the end of the day what's going to pull people into your teaching as well because you know we're all great teachers we all have great information and any student could go to each of us but the student that is drawn to us is going to be drawn to us probably not just because of what we're teaching but you know for who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I can confidently say that I've been to both of your classes and I think. And I've been to both of your classes a number of times. I think that both of you do a really good job of bringing your own individuality and like unique personality to it. And like Jack, I remember like the first time I took your class thinking that I love the way you sequence first of all, and like made it different in your own, but like you have this moment, like, and it's not even like jokey. Like you have this moment sometimes where you're walking around where you just like do your little laugh or you're just like, huh? But it's like so subtle. And then I'm like, I'm like, this is really, this is really <laughs> <Yeah>. relatable. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I very... think part of that is like, you know, at the end of the day, like hmm. I, I feel like I can be a little awkward sometimes, but that's like almost like, it's like almost an admirable awkwardness. <laughs> it is. And that little laugh like takes you out of the awkwardness. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, and it's like shows the self-awareness and like, I really enjoy that. And then like in a totally different way, Bradshaw, when I'm in your classes, like you really crack me up because you'll bring like a subtle humor to it. Like I remember 
a couple of times, like whether I'm in a warrior two or chair pose or something, you'll just like walk around the room. You're looking, you're observing and you like get really close to me and like nod your head. <laughs> yes. And you'll just like say under your breath, very, very good. <laughs> and, it's just so like, and it's like not obnoxious and it's like a private moment, but um it just like took me out of my head and, and like whatever holes you were holding us mm. in. I was like, this is like a really simple way to, to like make that connection with the student. I also, I, I wanted to get, also get back to what Jack was saying about your Instagram and like not doing all the tutorials and just like being humorous. Like, I just think that in the world that we live in today, there is just so much stress. There's, there's so much information. And there's also like, as a yoga teacher or in any profession, I feel like you can get overwhelmed. Be like, oh my God, there's all these things online that I should be learning. Mm -hmm. of. How do I use props? How do I teach this? Or that there's this new thing or blah, blah, whatever. Like, it's like, you, I can get anxiety. Be like, why am I not? And then I have a video like yours that pops up. I'm like, this is so fucking hysterical. And like, out of all the stress that we have in our personal lives, in our jobs and whatever it may be, there's a lot of stress, a lot of unknown that like having a laugh always feels good. Mm -hmm. totally. As long as long as people aren't getting hurt, like you were saying, or like, um, and I, you know, we may be a little different. I don't really mind offending people sometimes. For example, my class pass girl uh, on Instagram <laughs> does. I very, love that. Very, I love that. <laughs> like class pass girl does very, 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 very well. Um, and that's the thing. It's like I've posted a lot of things that are like tutorials of how to do X, Y, and Z. And then I like, you know, make fun of myself or like make fun of just the ins the insanity that sometimes is teaching a public yoga class. Mm -hmm. And people love that because it's relatable totally. and it's real. Um, and, you know, when 99% of the people think it's hilarious and then one girl's like, I have to have my eye watch on like that, you know, <laughs> the comment. And I'm just like, I'm like, if she's offended for me, I just like, I try to think about myself. I'm like, okay, am I offending? the majority of the people or half the people are yeah. 20%. No. Am I offending 1%? I don't care. Yeah, totally. And you can't, you know, no matter what you do, like this is what my mother always used to tell me, no matter what you do, 50% of the people in the world will always, you know, not like what you do. And 50% mm -hmm. of people will love what you do. So you just mm -hmm. might as well be yourself, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is really sweet that my mother said that to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, mom. Um, um Oh, there's and there was another thing. What you just said. Um, wait one second. I lost my thought. It's okay. We'll wait. Um, oh yeah, I, I think that showing showing up on Instagram uh, needs to feel authentic, just like teaching yoga. Yeah. And if you know, like you said, Bradshaw, there's like a lot of things we need to do as as students and as teachers. And as teachers, you might feel totally overwhelmed, like. I need to, you know, teach a good class. I need to be humorous now. I also need to like post like on Instagram. Like I've, I've been through the phase of like, you know, posting Instagram when pictures were a thing on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, you know, writing like a really like inspirational wise caption, I've you know, there. that was like, like with, with your yoga pose photo. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like in a super hashtag roomy. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'll be talking about the third sutra. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, you if that doesn't feel authentic to you, or if that feels overwhelming, you know, for me, like you know, making like a stupid video on Instagram is just like honestly, in the pandemic, I started doing that because it was it was fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're bored too. I mean, there was like, what were we, what were we doing then? Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, even now, like I. I post less. I only post when I'm feeling like inspired to do it. I don't, 
you know, I started to get this pressure that I need to like always be posting funny things on Instagram mm-hmm. and people were- That's also me. exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. So, so I stopped, you know, posting as much. So I think you just need to go with the flow and follow what feels right with mm-hmm. you, especially on Instagram, because the reality is that, you know, Instagram is a great way to connect with your, your students, but it's not the most, it's not the only tool or even the most important tool in, you know, making sure your class is going to fill up or even, you know, did you learn, did you learn that from, there's a teacher, his name's Jason. Stop. (laughs) No more. We're going to have like band band names. I I just, I I feel like I realized that on my own because, you know, I I realized, I thought like, okay, now that my Instagram. Well, you had a big blow. I mean, you did have an Instagram blow up. You really did. Yeah. It was from a video where I was like doing a chaturanga and then I like, like clapped down onto the floor. I like fell onto the floor and then rolled into a blanket onto the couch. Mm. And so that's what I am. I'm like the the famous like yoga blanket guy on the couch. <laughs> yoga burrito. He's done a lot, everyone. He's really doing <laughs> really, really well. Honestly, uh, though, like I like I was in LA and I walked into a random studio and this this girl was like, wait, are you that guy who like rolled into a blanket on the couch? <laughs> wait, how many more that's followers did you get out. from that? Like how many more followers did you get from that? Like, did it go like, you know, you got viral? like 10,000 followers in one day. Oh my God. That is insane. Instagram, do that for me. I'm funnier than him. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is like my class size, I mean, the thing, I guess like the one thing that's positive is that when I was, I had a YouTube channel channel that I've now changed to a Patreon, Mm -hmm. um, which I no longer do that anymore. So I'm not going to promote that right now, but um, you know, that was a great way to connect people from all around the country to, to my yoga teaching because, you know, Instagram was like the funnel into my actual yoga classes, Mm -hmm. which I was doing on YouTube. Um, So that's a good way that it connected, but for like local San Francisco people, Mm -hmm. it just, it's just a way to like, you know, to entertain and have fun. Mm -hmm. Well, Speaking of fun, wait, I, before wait, uh, are you going to get into the last segment? I need to make sure. I... No, but I need to say one more thing. Okay, fine. Go. Okay, thank you. Don't cut this you, out. Thank you. You have my permission. You're welcome. I just wanted to say that, like, uh, I, you know, we're, we're towards the end of the conversation, but I do want to say, like, in terms of humor, and I think the overarching question was, like, does it have a place in yoga class? And I think that, like, in summary, correct me if I'm wrong, the answer is yes. conclusion conclusion and as long as it's coming from a place of compassion love and kindness you know we're not here to yeah delete this delete everything I just said you know authenticity no I like that authenticity yeah we're not deleting do you want to say it again no in case charisma uniqueness Uniqueness, nerve nerve and talent talent. (laughs) The the only way to win at yoga and become enlightened Win RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love can't, somebody else? If you can't love yourself, don't love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi, what did you want to say? I wanted to ask Jack because he said he wasn't going to promote that side. I want to ask you what you do want to promote. Like, where can people find you? Tell them all. Well, if you, if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, <laughs> I'm at Jack Workman Yoga. Um, if you're interested in practicing with me in one of my public classes in San Francisco, you can see my complete schedule on my website, which is jackworkmanyoga.com. And there you can also find my other offerings like workshops and retreats and online stuff. 
And if you're interested in reading my yoga journal article where I talk about how you can utilize humor in your yoga class, well, I believe that we will link that in the show notes below. We'll have you on again. We really like you. And we like that you're gay. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> this is actually the first gay person that Gianna has hung out with besides me. She only knows oh. two. Uh, okay, that's really, also That's actually lie. not true. She literally knows five. She knows more gays than I do. It's probably do you ever get jealous when, like, you know, you're, like, girlfriend like hangs out with other gay girlfriend meaning like girl that's a friend yeah yeah hangs out with other gays no i have confidence that i'm better than all of them okay <laughs> i think i think he has more like jealousy like, when i collaborate with people that are not him yeah when he's like i'm gonna do this to this person i was like oh cool good luck mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into our last segment which is the funny thing about yoga We always share funny stories and it doesn't really have to be about yoga, but it's this funny story involving our experience as either a teacher or student that just made us laugh a little bit. So if you want to start, you can, but there's no pressure. We can make Bradshaw start. I do have a story I was thinking about. Okay. So, and it reminds me of right at the beginning of when we started talking today, when your mic was off and you turn Mm -hmm. it off because you're going to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> I was actually doing um, a Zoom class. And I had like 20 people uh, waiting <laughs> and I was wearing my wireless mic and I, um, and I was like, okay, everybody, I'm going to go to the bathroom really quick. And I forgot to mute myself. Oh, and I went to the bathroom <laughs> before class started, before class starts. So everybody's sitting there waiting. Oh my and goodness. like, I realized that like, you know, when I got back to the, to the um, Zoom Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> I realized they heard like you know everything, which it was just number one. I just went, <laughs> but it was pretty awkward <laughs> because I wasn't like aiming at the side of the wall. I was going right in. <laughs> I feel like I don't get that reference, but it's really funny. I got one. That, I got one that relate that relates also to like a teaching online. Oh, okay. That's not, no, it's not that story, Gianna. Well, that one's for another one. So one time I forgot, (laughs) I forgot that that, that, um, I had turned the screen on before class, the Zoom, and I forgot. And I was changing in the yoga studio. Oh, my God. And, but I just, and I was just standing with no shirt just my chest hair in front of the video and like the, the studio owner showed me she's like brad you have to come here i'm looking at it. it's just my chat it's just like my chest just me walking around like a water bottle and my chest for like five minutes uh, can i just say also like when we were really new at doing things online at the beginning of the pandemic like you always forgot to turn things off and there'd be like videos of you on the live stream just sleeping for two hours between <laughs> <laughs> and I would just be like, how is this on the live stream? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, in general, that online teaching uh, pivot uh, brought up. That was hard. That yeah. was really Such was a learning really curve. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my funny story this week is about the first time I, I was teaching at a place where you had to do like ma- mandala style flows. <laughs> and I don't typically teach that way, but it's like part of like their form. Well, explain to, explain to them what mandala flows is. People don't so, understand. Yeah. This. So mandala flows are where you, you basically like spin around the mat. So you will start facing the front of the room and then throughout the flow, it takes you to facing at the back of the room. And then at the back of the room, you need to spin forward again. So you have to do the other leg to spin forward. 
forward, but I was getting so confused <laughs> with my lefts and rights while doing this. And I just kept cueing the right side over and over. So like I would cue like a lunge to whatever, take them to the face side facing, then take them to the back of the room. And then once they get to a down dog, I just like kept doing the right. And people were like, went with it. They were so confused. It was like third time doing the right side where like someone's like, we keep doing the right <laughs> side. And then I just had this moment where I was like, oh my God, they're right. I didn't, I, I have to change legs when I spin them around. I'm like, oh, you guys didn't know that, that it's a right side only class. <laughs> like, well, like how many to- rights did you teach? <laughs> I think I was on the third. I was on like my third, <laughs> like my third like side series. I'm like, this is the right side only do- class. You have to come back tomorrow for the left. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to know how you're like, you know, you're a close student of mine. And then I like, I trust you is that there's always three people. Like I literally, before I go in, I'm like, okay, okay. That like, I'm like, okay, I know those people. So if I forget something, I just go over to them. I'm like, what the fuck did I just, (laughs) what did I teach? They're like, they're like the right side. And then they're like, you did the left side twice. I'm like, okay, where's the right side? I'm like, thank you so much. I'll be back. Um, I like literally, like I use them. And like, sometimes I, it's, it's like, if you're teaching a lot, like I'll just like, I honestly will zone out. Like I don't intentionally zone out, yeah. but like you've been teaching so much, you zone out and then you wait, like you come to and you're like, <laughs> you wake you're up literally like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> and why are these 20 people in Warrior 2? Or you say, lift your, your other arm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You have to like, and then you just like, and then, and then you see like the person in the front who's like, then lifts their like the, the right arm. Um, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. The right. Yeah. Arm. Yeah. Yeah. That you're like, yeah, 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 for sure. And then there's always like that one girl who's like, or, or person, person doesn't have to be a girl. It can be a they, them, he doesn't matter. Okay. They can be like, they can just, that one person will just be like, you forgot to laser leg and, you know, better me. I'm like, okay, we got it. You or they just do it silently. They like, yeah. And they're like, they look at you and they do it really slowly. They flip it really slowly. Okay. I actually appreciate that when, when someone just starts doing the thing. Yeah, because that's you. That's literally you. Yeah, because I need perfectionism. Don't you know? <laughs> oh, I know. I know quite well. Um, no, but yeah, those are those are real moments that we have. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, Bradshaw, wrap it up for us. Well, I'm so happy that we were able to have Jack on here and we, we really do love you from afar. Come visit Chicago. Jack is a great teacher. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, if you have any questions for Jack, slide into his DMS. He's not single, but he is gay. And he has a dog. <laughs> two dogs, two dogs. Oh my God. Dogs. I need to, yeah, to meet your cute. other new. Yeah. Very model. cute dogs. So, uh, his, his partner is very successful. They're really cute okay. together. <laughs> and that's um, why I can be a yoga teacher. And that's why he teaches yoga. So on that note, thank you all for being here. Well, I thank you, you so a- much, uh, both of you to have, having, <laughs> I can't talk. Thank you both for having thank, me on this thank podcast. You so much. We're honored thank that you. you're our first guest and oh, I'm so honored. Rem- remember everyone rate review and subscribe mm-hmm. and if you want to be on our podcast go visit our website kayayogaschool.com slash podcast and you can submit a recording tell us a funny situation or maybe an issue you had or a question as a student and we'll play it and we'll respond we are going to Sedona March 31st through April 3rd it's a weekend away in the mountains beautiful Red Rock Scenery, Gorgeous House, Bradshaw, and I will be teaching twice daily yoga. We'll be eating good food. We'll be hiking, meditating in the vortexes. And, you know, we're just, you're just going to be in good company, right, Bradshaw? 
Yes, we love leading, leading retreats. We're really, really, really good at it. It's kind of, it's like, we're so good at it. It's kind of embarrassing. So uh, you should be there. And if you don't come, then I'm going to call your mom and I'm going to let her know how rude you're being to your yoga <laughs> teachers. And then she's not going to give you anything for Christmas. Okay. So basically we'll see. Yeah. She's literally going to give you coal. So if you don't come on this yoga tree, you're getting coal in your stocking next year. Bye. And with that, I would love to see you there. And I welcome you with open arms. <laughs> Me too. And if you're not there, Cole, bye. And I love you all. Thank you. I, I, guys, I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, you're a firework. Yeah. <laughs> Sing it, Jack. Come on, let your what is it? Come on, let your colors burst. Let me go. Okay.